Apart from disturbance, whose roots are biological, I cannot think of a single psychological problem, from anxiety and depression, to underachievement at school or at work, to fear of intimacy, happiness or success, to alcohol or drug abuse, to spouse battering or child molestation, to codependency and sexual disorders, to passivity and chronic aimlessness, to suicide and crimes of violence that is not traceable, at least in part, to the problem of deficient self-esteem, of all the judgments that we pass in life, none is as important as the one that we pass on ourselves. Now that was said by Dr. Nathaniel Brandon in the New York Times best-selling book, The Six Pillars of Self-Esteem. Today we have decided to break down the topic self-esteem as we believe that this is truly one of the most important topics that we will cover. Self-esteem is responsible for so much of our lives, from success to failure. And through research, through personal experience, we have found that self-esteem is an experience. It's a particular way of experiencing the self. It's a lot more than a feeling, and I must stress that. It's emotional, evaluative, and it also has cognitive components. It entails certain dispositions. So it either moves you towards life or it moves you further away from it. It moves you towards consciousness or it can also move you further away from it. And in the same hand, it also allows you to treat facts with respect rather than denial. And it also allows you to operate self-responsibly. But it also allows you to do the opposite of that. Now, let's look at self-esteem from a definition point of view. Nathaniel Brandon in his book says that self-esteem is the disposition to experience oneself as being competent to cope with the basic challenges of life and of being worthy of happiness. Now, I'm just going to repeat that. Self-esteem is the disposition to experience oneself as being competent to cope with the basic challenges of life and of being worthy of happiness. Now, I think that the key takeaway from that bit there was competent to cope with the basic challenges. Now, if you read the book, he breaks self-esteem down into two facets. The first facet is self-respect, which I'm going to go into. But the other facet, which I believe that he's talking about but there, refers to self-efficacy. So he says that self-efficacy and self-respect make up self-esteem. Self-efficacy refers to how well, how able you are to deal with challenges. Do you think that you can rise up? Do you think that you can deal with adversity? Or do you think that you are not worthy of dealing with these challenges? Do you think that you are not worthy of progressing? 
and in turn you will do things such as self-sabotaging. So Nathaniel Brandon says that self-esteem, fully realised, is the experience that we are appropriate to life and to the requirements. So feeling appropriate to life is is self-respect. That means that, you know, we are worthy, we are... We are worthy of, of accomplishment. We are worthy of achievement. We are worthy of love. We are worthy of happiness. And the truth is we all are. But the problem with self-esteem is that most of our issues are deeply rooted into our childhood. It's so deeply ingrained in us and it's going to take a lot of introspection and practice to actually deal with these. So we know now that self-respect and self-efficacy combined together they make up self-esteem and it's no wonder that people with chronic anxiety are also huge low self-esteem sufferers because people with high self-esteem they feel a biological imperative to live and to thrive and to go after what they want so people with anxiety most of the time what they're stressed about is it's just not feeling worthy or not feeling competent enough to go to go and do those things. And I think that the more immediate problem for many who suffer from anxiety is a lack of self-efficacy. This prevents them from going and get things done. Their failure to to take action it just simply increases their self-efficacy. So they don't take action, their self-efficacy decreases. And this becomes a vicious spiral. Having said all that, and we will go much further into this topic of self-esteem, I want to introduce my co-host and my good friend, Mr. Lewis Franielchik. Back again. Back again for another episode. Welcome back, brother. And I just want to ask you, how big of an issue is self-esteem in the modern world? Well, self-esteem, simply put, is a monumental issue in today's society maybe one of the biggest facing us in this current climate and you touched on a couple of reasons why there maybe something that happened to you personally in your past or self-sabotage but i want to approach it in a different way so and this is something i believe that dates dates back 50 60 years so rather than producing children with a true sense of self-esteem in today's society we seem to produce children who despite all the appearances of high self-esteem actually have very little regard for themselves now i think this dates back to the self-esteem movement of the 70s where a lot of parenting experts started to come out of the woodwork and they were convincing parents that the best way to build someone's self-esteem was that you had to constantly tell them, you had to constantly tell your children how smart they were, how talented they were, how beautiful they were, how perfect they were. But in reality, life has a pretty harsh way of providing a reality check. And when met with failure, children have a harder time accepting it. And a tough time accepting that they maybe aren't all the things that their parents tried so, so hard to make them believe that they are. The education system, something we've spoke about extensively in the past, has also adopted a similar approach, especially in America, changing their grading system from F for fail to NI for needs improvement, 
God forbid that a child actually feels bad about themselves for failing. <laughs> Youth sports made a similar mistake, disregarding scoring winners and losers to avoid damaging a child's self-esteem. Popular culture further damages self-esteem today by convincing children through reality TV, etc., that they can find success, wealth, and all their desires with very minimum effort and very minimum time, and so sets them up to have their self-esteem crushed when they don't find that. This goes even deeper than mentally, as of course it affects things such as body self-esteem issues. In a study carried out among young female students, 80% reported to have low self-esteem regarding their image. This is a generation that grew up surrounded by high beauty standards promoted through new media. I was reading a book on self-esteem by Dr. Joe Rubino, who found that 85% of the world's population today are affected by low self-esteem. Wow, there is a really chronic problem, no doubt about that. And what's interesting is that when your self-esteem is low, is that it's, it's almost impossible to keep a positive image and a positive perspective about life. Self-esteem is how much you value yourself. Your behaviours, your appearance, your emotions, all these things are tied up in your self-esteem and they all come strictly from within. If you love yourself and you accept who you are and how you look, it's considerably easier to see the role that you have to play in life and also to recognise your full potential. And some of the root causes of addiction are anxiety and depression. So when you struggle with your self-esteem, your body image, the longer the battle, the greater the effect that low self-esteem can have on your body and your mind. Having low self-esteem, it often leads people to tolerate an abusive situation, to battle clinical or severe depression, and in most cases, to turn to drugs to, or to alcohol to try to cope with it. And this only adds fuel to fire. And as I said earlier, it creates a vicious cycle which just keeps going on and on. And I completely agree with most of the stuff you said there. And I think that there is a serious problem about people putting self-esteem into wrong things. And I just want to, uh, just off the top of my head, go through some characteristics of uh, of genuinely low self-esteem to, to, to keep your eyes out for. And let's see if you guys recognize any of these. Let's see if you notice any of these within. So I think that, constantly apologizing is one social withdrawal are you withdrawing from social situations which there's no reason for you to do uh, uh are you a very anxious person are you in emotional turmoil do you have a lack of skills and uh socially and self-confidence depression or other bouts of sadness do you have an eating disorder um is this self-neglect? Are you self-sabotaging in your relationships or in your work? Do you not deem yourself worthy for happiness? Are you reluctant to take on challenges? Are you reluctant to trust your own opinion? Do you just expect little out of your life? Yeah, and another one, I'm going to use this one by you. Do you treat yourself badly, but at the same time, you treat other people with the utmost respect? That is a huge sign of low self-esteem. So, guys, if you recognize any of those things, just write them down and really look back to your childhood. Look back to incidents in your life 
look back and try to think about them clearly. Think about what these may have, have led to. Because usually what happens is for a belief to happen, there will be an event and then the thought process which you'll go through will in turn create a belief if you keep on thinking and thinking. And then this in turn creates a vicious cycle where you'll act in, we- in ways which will try to reinforce that belief. And of course, you can't cure a problem if you don't first know that you have it. So I want to ask you now, Lewis, how important is having high self-esteem? How important is it? Well, of course, it's important in you know many of the conventional ways affecting your confidence or the way you present yourself or the situations that you put yourself into. But simply put, in my opinion, self-esteem is arguably the most important thing a person can have. And I don't want to go into too many specific details on how why, why it's so important because I know you've done a lot of extensive research on this and I do want you to come in. But what I want to say is, and when I thought about this, this is really what made this topic hit home for me. Suicide. Very powerful word. So what suicide is, fundamentally is when someone no longer believes that they'll ever feel good about themselves again. And I think that's a fantastic way of really summarizing why self-esteem is so important and is arguably the most important thing that a person can have. Yeah, I I agree with you. And I don't think that self-esteem can be underestimated. And I I truly agree with what you said, but I think it is... One of the most important things that someone can develop. If you read the book by Nathaniel Brandon and he talks about how... What I love about here is how he says that they are practices. It's not something that you just do once and you develop. It's a practice of all the six pillars. Self-esteem affects your behavior, your thoughts. It changes about how you feel about yourself and how you value yourself. It affects your confidence. And it also affects your success and your thinking in, in a huge way. I mean... Can you imagine anything else so important? So I think that a few more reasons that self-esteem is the difference between success and failure most times. On if someone is successful but they have low self-esteem, then, you know, for whatever reason, that they probably won't go on to actualize their full potential. So whatever uh, success which they do achieve, then it could have been so much more self-esteem affects your thinking because it causes your outlook to be positive or negative and in turn you will act out in ways which reinforce these beliefs it affects your self-image and if you don't value yourself how do you expect the world to value you you know you put a price on yourself everybody does but don't expect the world to pay a higher price i think that your potential to achieve what you most desire in life is directly correlated to your self-esteem and on the other hand failure is much more likely if you suffer from low self-esteem because you will believe others and things that happen which tell you that you're a failure low self-esteem it affects your motivation and it also makes you much more likely to give up on anything that seems difficult so please guys we're going to give you some tips today to work on building your self-esteem and Please go and read the book. We will link it. It is. It was such a beautiful and eye-opening read. And by doing this, I promise you, you know, 
life is just much better when you love and you respect yourself. But self-esteem, it goes, it goes deeper than that. I'd think that self-esteem is a lot more than just accepting yourself because anyone can accept their flaws. But self, but the self-respect part of it is so key because if you're not doing things that make you respect yourself, you know, like everybody has bad moments, um, but it's how do you get back from them? You have to respect yourself. You have to do things that you will respect. So self-love is traditionally broken down into into the acceptance bit, but it's also broken down into the other part of it, which is doing things which you know are beneficial when you don't feel like it. And I love the bit in this book as well when Nathaniel Brandon talked about how uh, how a dog isn't comparing himself to the neighbor's dog that is barking. <laughs> so anyway, so that leads me on to my next question. And do you think that people are building self-esteem around the wrong areas? Well, absolutely. And I think this is a, a huge, huge issue. I mean, the most common way that people build their self-esteem is around their accomplishments. It's around money. It's around relationships. It's about appearance, jobs. And they become trapped in the mentality of validating their self-worth against somebody else, a friend, a colleague, a neighbor. This is just, it's a toxic mentality. When your self-esteem is built around your success, it becomes absolutely destroyed by your failures. You can't let your self-esteem lay in the hands of success and failure because that's something that will always fluctuate and therefore your self-esteem is always going to fluctuate and that is not healthy. It won't work in the long run to build your self-esteem around being the best because you're never, ever, ever going to be the best at everything. So why should that affect how you feel about yourself? Wow, I love that. And I agree. I think people definitely are building their self-esteem around wrong things. So I'm going to give you three things, right, which I think that people are building around, which I think are completely fragile. The first one, which I see all the time, is being right or claiming that they are smart. And the problem with being right is that you're not going to be right all the time. And people will go to extensive lengths to try to do this. Um, the problem with this is that, you know, it feels great, I get it. But over time, you're only going to paint yourself into a corner and you really hold yourself back from growing. If you put all your self-esteem around getting good grades instead of actually trying, then that's completely fragile. You know, if you get a bad grade once, which maybe, you know, through no fault of your own, there could be, ex there could be extenuating circumstances. Your self-esteem is going to be crushed. Your self-worth is going to disappear. How about putting self-esteem around being a learner, trying hard? Another thing is being pretty. I see people do all the time. And this is this is a complete fallacy as well because if you were around something which someone which is by met by common metrics more or by the standards you hold yourself to more prettier than you or in a better physical condition, then again you're gonna feel crushed. But what you can build it around is being kind, you know, being thoughtful, being considerate. Those things you have complete control over, but you have no control about whether someone out there is going to look more beautiful than you. The last one which I want to say is just building self-esteem around extrinsic factors rather than internal. 
So as Lewis said, your money, your jobs, your relationships, all of these things can crumble. How many Instagram likes you get? All these things are completely irrelevant, but they give people such a such a powerful source of validation. But they but they are absolutely detrimental and cancerous to you. And they're gonna keep you clinging on. But you'll never learn to love yourself like this. You'll never learn to self-actualize. And you'll always be completely dependent on other people's opinions. Powerful things to build self-esteem around. Uh, not being right, but being a learner. Not having good grades, but in trying re- really hard and knowing that you gave everything to it. Which you have complete control over every time. You know, not being pretty, but but, you know, making people feel good about themselves because beauty isn't in how you look it's in how you make other people feel so now lewis let me ask you what do you think are the right things to build self-esteem around well before i answer that question i just wanted to say um the example you gave about being pretty and and things like instagram likes i think that worked perfectly with with what i said um with things that fluctuate determining your self-esteem i mean when it's something such as being pretty or instagram likes that is something that's going to change every day of course you may walk into work and be the most attractive person in the office and you're feeling great about yourself you go home you get ready for a night out you go out and suddenly you're not and suddenly yourself you know your self-esteem is at an all-time low and you don't need it's not healthy to be fluctuating especially when we've all when we've already said how important self-esteem is to you on top of that then is that something you really want to make your child feel i mean we're bringing children up telling them that they're perfect telling them that everything they do is the best and better than anybody else but what's going to happen when you're telling your child that they're the best at everything and then come sports day they finish fourth in the race and suddenly it affects them so much because they're used to being they're used to being mr and mrs perfect and suddenly when they're not they're going to be absolutely crushed so instead, we have to instill this belief that self-worth and self-esteem is built around other factors. Now, I've looked at some of the most successful people in the world, and I've looked into what they build their self-esteem around. And of course, they build their self-esteem around things that don't fluctuate like success does. Emily Smith, in her book, The Power of Meaning, says that there's far more valuable things to build your self-esteem around. Things such as being a good, wise, generous human. I also think it is important to define your self-worth on qualities such as your desire to learn, such as your desire to grow as a human being. And cultivating these qualities, research shows, brings people a far deeper sense of fulfillment, which in turn helps them to face setbacks these failures with resilience and peace rather than facing them and being brought to a crushing halt i love that and and i think that one thing you touched on was about the being right all the time and i actually read a quote about this it was by james russell lowell and he said that the dead and the foolish alike never change their opinion and I just love that quote so much. And I think that being right all the time or trying to be right all the time is such a cancer to your learning. It's so, so, so horrible and it's such a huge setback. I'm going to go into a bit about the six pillars which Dr. Nathaniel Brandon talks about in his book. I'm not going to 
break down each one because from my point of view, I learned so much through the book and I, I don't want to take the impetus away from you guys to actually go and, and read it and, and go through the growth yourself. But I will go into them slightly. So these are the six pillars. Pillar number one, the practice of living consciously. Now, this means that you are aware to life's desires, what you want, how you feel, what your emotions are from moment to moment. You know, this this is so vital in the in the large context. And I think that that huge sense of introspection is such a superpower. Um, the second pillar is the practice of self-acceptance. If you no longer have control over something that has happened to you, then accept it and then use that pain, take that time, reflect on it and then progress. If you can't change something, then it's time to let it go. Because as Stephen Covey talks about in his book, you have two circles, the circle of concern and the circle of influence. Now, successful people, for the most part, specifically only operate in this circle of influence. So things that have happened to you before, accept the pain from them, reflect, and then use that pain to progress. Now, the third one is the practice of self-responsibility. And I think that this is huge. You need, to, you need to hold yourself responsible for things, especially on days in which you don't feel like it. So hold your, if you set yourself a goal, but you don't feel like it, then hold yourself responsible. This is a huge one for me, and, and I am specifically working on this myself. So if I've set myself a goal, it's about asking myself, how can I make sure that I do that? And if that I don't, then I make sure that there are big repercussions for myself. The fourth one, and I think arguably the most important one on this list, and this is one which I think that is probably the biggest common denominator of people with low self-esteem, is self-assertiveness. So not being able to communicate what you want, what your boundaries are. Because as I said earlier, if you don't know what price you are going to ask, then trust me, life will not put a higher price on your head. So you need to, it's vital to know what, what, your standards are in certain situations, what behavior you were going to accept, because that's, that's, that's what people will in turn act like. If you communicate that you're willing to be trampled all over and, and you're going to let people just walk all over you and take advantage, then people will. The fifth pillar is the practice of living purposefully. So this is that you have a mission in life. You have a goal, you have a dream and you're acting out towards it. We talked a couple of episodes back in our happiness podcast, which we've had fantastic reviews about. So if you want to go and check that out after this, then we highly recommend that one. But we talked about how one of the biggest correlators with happiness was meaningful work. And I, we can't stress enough how important it is to have, to have big audacious goals that you are going after. But if you don't want that, then find out what truly intrinsically motivates you and then go and search after that. But you have to be in a position for the self-respect bit to, to know that you're making a conscious effort to make your dreams come true and that you are getting closer to the actualization part. And the last one, pillar number six, is the practice 
of personal integrity. Now, this is such an interesting one. So this relates to your personal principles. Now, are you the type of person that is going to lie, to cheat, to steal? Or are you going to hold yourself to a higher standard? Are you going to 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 be the type of person that that does good things just for the purpose of doing them? Are you going to to try to make the world a better place or are you making it a worse place? This is a really important one and everybody has different levels of of their integrity but just communicate what yours are and then live up to them. So they are the six pillars. The practice of living consciously, the practice of self-acceptance, the practice of self-responsibility, the practice of self-assertiveness, the practice of living purposefully and the practice of personal integrity. So those make up the six pillars of self-esteem. I feel as if for this base intro into self-esteem, we have covered quite a fair amount of intro. Now, guys, a very important message before we wrap this one up. This is your opportunity to be featured on the Freedom Pack podcast. Yes, you listening right now, all you need to do is head over to Instagram at Freedom Pact. We put up a post every week before we record an episode telling you exactly what the episode is going to be on. There's your opportunity. You comment on that post with a quote, with an idea, with a thought, maybe an opinion that you think can benefit our podcast. You can also send it to us via DM if you're more comfortable doing that. And if we feel that it's going to elevate our podcast or that episode at all, we're going to read that out on air we're going to shout you out you want your full name you want your handle anything if you can help us we're going to help you with that being said you can also suggest future topics that we want to cover if you want to know more about something we'll do the hard work for you we'll do the research we'll do the reading and we'll deliver back to you also if you're feeling brave enough and you want to get involved and be on the podcast then drop us a DM and tell us why you can come on and you can challenge us. That's something we're open to as well. Now, guys, if you leave a review, maybe some constructive criticism on the iTunes, that would be so, so helpful to us. Also, subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We're going to be bringing YouTube videos, motivation, top tips, anything you can think of over on the YouTube at Freedom Pact. That's going to do it for this one. I've been Lewis from Neilcheck. This has been Joseph Newton, and we thank you. This is Freedom Pack.